Welcome to the Real Estate Guys radio program. Have you noticed how low interest rates are? Well, as a real estate investor, that could be good, that could be bad. We're going to talk about how you can get higher yields in a low-rate world. This is the Real Estate Guys radio network. Feeling out gunned when dueling through your loan mod negotiations with your lender? Discover the underwater borrower's secret weapon and how you can make your loan modification your lender's idea. Get the special report by consumer advocate Martin Andelman. Send your request to analyze this at realestateguysradio.com. Don't go into your loan mod battle unarmed. Get the free report. Send your email to analyze this at realestateguysradio.com or visit the special reports page under resources at realestateguysradio.com. This podcast is brought to you by audible.com, the internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 75,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals. For a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com forward slash realestateguys. Welcome to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Thanks for tuning in. We have a fabulous show for you. So you've picked a good week. Let's meet our co-host, financial strategist, Russell Gray. Hey, Robert. Hey there. We are uh, we are generally optimistic and excited right now. And I think that's because this is one of the most productive times of the year. If you think about the whole year, really the most productive time for most people is right out of the gate. New year, goals, things are exciting, right? But in that first quarter or four months or five months, you're only working for taxes anyway, right? There's that, That's that right. freedom day, whatever it is that the, the you quit paying taxes and start earning your own money. I think we're into May now. Yeah. Then you have uh, then you have uh, the summer and people take it off. It's mental vacation. They check out, they do stuff, they hang out. But for some reason, when, when September comes and the kids get back in school and you got that one more drive towards the end of the year before the holidays are here, it is a great time. Yeah. It's uh, as Brian Tracy would say, it's time to get back to work. Back to work. Back to work, back to school. And I think there's a big push, you know, you get back and you're pushing hard because you know the holidays are coming and you want to get a lot done. And then you get through the holidays and then you come out of the gate swinging in uh, January. So the, this, this time of year is a great time of year. It sure is. Now, as a real estate investor, you have the market to deal with. Whatever the market is handing you, that's what you have to, you can work as hard as, as you can and you can be as creative as you want, but you have the market to work with. And, and what we want to talk about today on the program is that we are in absolutely a low rate world right now. Uh, interest rates are low. Now, from one aspect, as a real estate investor, you go, awesome, that's great. Uh, Chief economist for NAR, uh, Lawrence Yoon, calls this generational lows in terms of interest rates, meaning it's the lowest time. Uh, who, who was president last time uh, interest rates were this low? That would be uh, Dwight D. Eisenhower. Yeah, remember that guy? Of course you don't. It was too long ago. Now, here's the problem. As a real estate investor, good luck getting some of that, right? Unless you have impeccable credit and uh, you're buying an A-plus property with tons of upside and tons of positive cash flow, good luck getting that loan. And so what we're going to approach it from is, yeah, okay, it's great that, that you can get low loans if you can get those loans. But there's a bigger picture here, and that is when investors are looking for a return, which is what investors do, today is not such a great time for those investors. No, not at all. I mean, it's a tough time to be a saver. You know, you look out there at the average CD rate, the average uh, bank money market fund, and you're talking below 2%, in some cases way below 2%. And so if you've worked hard and saved your money and uh, have accumulated a little bit of money and you're playing it safe because you're very nervous about what's going on in the, in the stock market and the mutual funds and all that, and you've parked your money in the bank, you, you know, you may have seen your cash flow, your income, what you live on, drop 50, 60, 80, 90%. 
And you can only absorb that for so long waiting for things to improve before you have to go find something to do. And the thing that's interesting right now is nobody is running around saying that, you know, real estate from a cash flow perspective is overvalued. Right. I mean, you hear people right. saying, hey, you know, the real estate market housing still has a way to drop because you've got foreclosures coming into the market. Yeah, But, you know, they're talking about owner occupied single family houses for the most part. Yes. And as investors, I'm looking for tenant occupied gross rent multipliers that work for me. And GRMs are low. They're super low today. One of the lowest times we've seen in terms of, you know, and just for those of you that, that maybe don't understand gross rent multiplier, that's looking at the price of the property in relation to how much rent it brings in right you know a few years ago you had to pay a lot more like a PE ratio in, in stocks you have to pay a lot more for the same amount of income today you're able to buy properties that have way more income comparatively and that's a good thing as a real estate investor well you have a lot of things working in your in your favor in that direction because you've got a growing population of renters that that is not getting smaller that's getting bigger and people who used to be homeowners are no longer homeowners. And people who were uh, inclined to want to go buy aren't inclined to want to go buy. People who are inclined to go buy can't qualify to go buy. You know, so you have you have all of these factors that are coming along that are that are keeping the rents up relative as prices have come down, making the acquisition as an investor uh, very attractive. That's why you know we're excited. We think this is one of the best times to be looking at real estate, and especially. If you're an income investor because you're sitting there going, you know, I could put my money in the bank and get one and a half, two percent. Yes, it's safe, but you're get you're going to get whacked by a devalued dollar, you know, inflation. And, you know, I mean, then you could go down the whole argument, how safe is safe, really, you know, depending on how much money you have saved up at once you pass the FDIC insurance threshold, which isn't going to stay at 250 forever. And at some point, you're going to be, where can I put my money where I have a, a real chance to have it be safe? And, you know, we'll make the argument that a lot of the downside is out in real estate. Maybe not all of it. But and not everywhere. But there's paradigms that have to be broken. You know, coming into the studio, we saw a sign that said, why rent when you can own? And and we came up with a whole bunch of reasons. Right? <laughs> yeah. It's like, it, you that used to be a good argument when you were selling, you know, in an appreciating marketplace. But today, I don't know. The rules have changed. And so if you're looking at what the market is giving us, and that is uh, low interest rates, looking at it from the eyes of, okay, that means I can buy property with low interest rates. Great. Go do that. If you can refi, go do that. We we don't have a crystal ball, but if we had one, I can't imagine it would be saying that interest rates would be drastically cut in the future. No. Well, well, they're about as low as yeah, they yeah, can they, really There's get. really nowhere they can go. I mean, a lot of the interest rate policy here in our country is designed to prop up asset values to protect the banks. you got to make money cheap and available to people so they'll borrow so that they'll continue to bid up prices, and that protects the collateral for the banks. And so the banks are operating in their self-interest. But again, it wipes out savers. How surprising. <laughs> yeah. It, but it totally disincentivizes savers. You bet it does. So, you know, So people who are producing people who have produced live below their means and have put up some some savings and now are searching for yields the last time people were out there really digging around for yields Wall Street answered the call with all these derivatives and these fancy deals. And, and we know how that worked out. We know how that worked out. And, and the investment community knows how that worked out. Now, at some point in desperation, 
you know, you may do it. I guess that's why people eat dog food, right? You get so hungry, you're like, oh, I guess I'm going to have to eat the dog food. Wait, wait, wait. People eat dog food? Well, I mean, if, you get, if, you, if you're if you starving, right? I mean, you you know, you see what I'm saying? So I haven't hit rock bottom. <laughs> you haven't hit rock oh, bottom. Okay, <laughs> good to know that. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, it occurred to me, but I guess I guess people... Well, people you know, do. as an investor, you're like, okay, I, I, I don't want to go buy risky things, but if that's the only way I can get yield... Okay, I'm going to try. That's why why people buy treasury bonds at zero because of the the safety. It's not about return. And today, a lot of investors, because of consumer confidence and what's happening in the economy and all that, they are a lot more concerned with preservation, right? Well, Will Rogers used to say, I'm a lot more concerned with the return of right. my investment than the return on my investment. So making a return is necessary at some point. A lot of people are hunkering down right now and they're fleeing to safety. But does that mean necessarily that a safe investment means no return. I don't think so. No, I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean that at all. It's just that people are very conditioned and very marketed to, you know, you say all the time, why do people drink a certain type of beer? Uh, why do people eat a certain type of fast food? Billion dollar ad budgets. That's why. Yeah, it's what people get sold. And yep. I think, you know, we talk about this all the time. A lot of the advertising media infrastructure is very much supported by a traditional financial services industry that wants to push stocks, bonds, mutual funds, uh, bank accounts, and all those types of things. So when people are looking for yields, they get fancy and try to create more of these paper-based products that are going to attract capital. You can get a lot closer to the source of the income. You know, you don't maybe necessarily have to be a landlord. You could be one step removed and you could be the lender to a landlord who's producing the cash flow, but at least you're close to where the real money is coming from. The problem with these derivatives, if you were so far removed, nobody knew where the money was coming from. Nobody knew where the money was going. I mean, and a lot of what's going on right now is just trying to unravel that that gigantic mess. And if you think we've seen the end of that train wreck, then you've not been studying the subject. It is going to get even uglier. And, you know, the, the thing is, is uh, as we're talking about today, in this kind of an environment, what can you do? And that's what we're going to focus the show on. All right, so we've set the table. We know that the interest rates are low, and you're not going to make money and putting money in the bank and CDs and those kind of things. So if you're the kind of investor who wants to see not just the return of your investment, but a return on your investment, what do you do? That's what we're going to talk about today. What do you do that has the risk-reward ratio you're comfortable with? This gets back to what we call personal investment philosophy. Everybody feels differently about money and investments and what's discretionary and what's necessary and all of that. And you just have to decide how much risk will you take. The less risk, the less reward generally. But what's great about real estate is there is an inequality in risk-to-reward sometimes. It's not automatically factored into the equation like it is with some other investments. In this case, you know, you look, you look by mutual funds and like, are you looking for, you know, safety of principle? Are you looking for aggressive growth? The understanding is, well, if I'm going for the growth, I'm also taking a higher risk. In real estate, it's not necessarily true. Risk is really perceived risk. Right. It absolutely is. And the 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 I think the thing that is going on right now, you, you said it earlier, Robert, new rules. And there's just new rules all over the place. And there's going to be trade-offs in anything you decide to do. You say, well, okay, I want my money to be super safe, FDIC insured. Okay, well, you're going to pay a price for that. It's called right. low yields. Yeah. Oh, I need high yields. Okay, well, you're going to go into the paper-based world and you're going to buy junk bonds or you're going to buy derivatives and you're going to pay a price for that. Okay, I'm going to do real estate. Okay, well, then you're going to be exposed to different types of risks and you're going to have to learn. The thing is, the infrastructure of advisors to help you in the real estate world is very, very different than the infrastructure of advisors that help you in the paper-based world. 
And so you're going to have to, and obviously if you're listening to the show, we're preaching to the choir, right? Because you're already somebody that's expressed an interest. And that's great. Congratulations. Good for so you. So if you're not listening to the show, then you really need to listen. <laughs> yeah. Tell your friends. Uh, you know, because there, there, there are things you just have to learn. Uh, I think there's just things you have to learn about in life. And I think that right now, if you want to have... Uh, the ability to make money in 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 this marketplace, you're going to have to learn more about managing your money yourself. And I think getting involved in something that is simple, where you're close to the source of the income, that you can understand, where you have direct control over the performance and the operation of the investment, yes, you're going to have to work a little harder. Yes, you're going to have to spend some time learning. You're going to feel the bumps in the road, unlike being insulated like you are with the stock market. It's like owning your own business. You own your own business, you sweat making payroll. You worry about cash flow. When you work for somebody else, you don't know there's a problem until they hand you a pink slip. But the problems were always there. Yep. So being closer to the source is not a bad thing, even though it feels rougher. It's actually a good thing, but it's a price you're going to pay if you want to have a safer investment with better yields. And that's uh, what we're going to talk about today. There are good investments today out there. There's lots of opportunity. You've probably heard us say again and again, it's the best buyer's market we're likely to see in our lifetime. How does that translate into return? And then with you and sitting in your chair, managing your financial position and, and your balance sheet, you need to decide how much risk will you take, what is it you're willing to give up, and then how much time will you invest in getting educated? Because a lot of things we're going to talk about today, you can't just walk into the, the department store and buy off the shelf or a few clicks of the mouse and it's there. It takes studying, it takes connections, it takes relationships and all of that. And the good news is we've got lots of ideas uh, when it comes to that. You're also, before we're done today, we're going to hear a case study uh, from a gentleman who has done this very thing. He's figured out a way to create high yields with relatively low risk in a low rate world. So you're tuned to the Real Estate Guys Radio Network. More when we come back. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Hi, this is Kendra Todd, winner of The Apprentice, and you're listening to The Real Estate Guys. Hi, this is Russell Gray. I say do the math and the math will tell you what to do. Tony Robbins says success leaves clues. Put those together and you have Paradigm Life. Let Paradigm Life show you how and why wealthy individuals and multi-billion dollar companies use life insurance to grow and protect their assets. You'll be amazed. For a free report, send an email to life at realestateguysradio.com or visit beyourbank.com. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 75,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature featuring audio versions of many New York Times bestsellers. For listeners of the Real Estate Guys podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook to give you a chance to try out their service. Russ, what are you into these days? I've been into Peter Schiff's Crash Proof 2.0. So Schiff writes his book Crash Proof in 2006, predicting the real estate crash, the meltdown, then he rewrites it in 2009, not rewrites it, but re-releases it with his update on what's happened since, which most of which came true, and what he expects to happen next. It's incredible. And you can get it right at audible.com for a free audiobook of your choice. Go to audiblepodcast.com forward slash real estate guys. You can pick Peter Schiff or anything else you'd like. That's audiblepodcast.com forward slash real estate guys. Hello, Robert Kiyosaki. Listen to the Real Estate Guys. They're wild and crazy, but they really know what they're talking about. Welcome back to the Real Estate Guys radio program. Heard on this fine station every weekend and all the time at realestateguysradio.com. If you miss a show, go to our website and you can hear it anytime you want. We've decided to keep the website open 24 hours a day, day and night, seven days a week, every day of the year except two. 
So we have the little doorman there uh, waiting to open the door and uh, welcome you in and show you around. There's a lot going on on the website. There is. Check us out at realestateguysradio.com. So it is a, a perfect storm in a lot of ways. There's great opportunity out there, uh, and there are there's this need. I hope you're getting it that there's this pent-up need of people who want return. When there is economic turmoil, investors flee to safety. Right. When it rains really hard, you try to get out from under it. But if it, you know, see, you're, 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 you know, it's, you're living in a sunny place and all of a sudden it rains. You're like, oh man, it's raining and I hate the rain. So I'm going to just duck into a coffee shop and have a coffee till it blows over. After six or seven hours, you're not just sitting there having coffee. You're figuring out a way to get home and get wet and get in the rain. You're just going to do it, right? Yep. And it's the same thing now. These investors that have, that have flown to safety for the last couple of years can't stay there forever. Right. At some point, they're looking, and right now we think is the point. Already, people are starting to look for better opportunity. And again, it comes down to what you're willing to give up in order to get that opportunity. Uh, for instance, you probably know that uh, you need to be an accredited investor to invest in certain things. Guess what? Those things generally have better returns. Well, there's a trade-off. You need to do what it takes to become accredited to have that. And we did a show on on the changing definition of accreditation just a few weeks back, and if uh, you haven't heard that show, that's an important show, especially if you're accredited or think you are. Uh, but there's always a, a, an opportunity that you can create a better yield than the next guy if you're willing to outwork them, outthink them, outsmart them. Always. I mean, it, it always comes down to that. And it comes down to the entrepreneurial spirit. And it's that same spirit that, you know, makes you take control over your career. You want to take control over your own investments, which is exactly what we're talking about. So when you look out at the landscape and you say, okay, of these various different types of asset classes, you know, people have gravitated towards gold. You've certainly seen what's been going on in gold. Why? Because gold is real. It's what they call a hard asset. It's tangible. I can own it. I can physically possess it. It's never been worth nothing. Uh, it seems to be something that people believe in when times get tough. Well, there's we, also a scarce amount of it. There's also a scarce amount even of it. though they are refining and mining more gold it doesn't happen as fast today as demand and so you're seeing what's happening in the pricing there now there's people who will say that there's a bubble happening in gold and and that may be hap happening and then there's people we've interviewed a couple of folks who they say gold's going to three thousand five thousand one guy says twelve thousand dollars an ounce sometime in the next 10 years okay well that could be true too but it's a different investment because the risk is perceived differently now one of the things that you have to think about when it comes to investing is, is this concept of leverage, which is one of our favorite things about investing, but also one of the riskier things about investing, as many people have found out with this whole <laughs> uh, you know, global uh, economic crisis. If you buy something non-leveraged, like say you want to buy a gold coin at $1,250 or whatever the going price is today, then you're probably not going to be able to leverage that purchase. You're probably going to have to come up with the $1,250 necessary. And then when it goes up by $100, that's a return on your $1,250. Whereas with real estate, if you could leverage it, it magnifies the return, but it also magnifies in the down direction. Well, yes, it does, and then and then no, it doesn't, because the the really the protection of leverage is that you don't have your money in the deal. I mean, you you maybe wreck your credit. Uh, there are potentially ways to escape some of the ramifications of a deficit situation, but you know the risk that you run is that is that the cash flow will start to eat you alive. It becomes an alligator, and as you try to preserve your credit, protect the asset, uh, 
uh, and maybe wait out the storm, you, you don't have staying power. And that's the danger, the greater danger in leverage. So let's talk for a minute about a non-leveraged investment. We did an entire show on this a few months back, the idea that you don't always have to use leverage, even though we're big proponents of it generally. There are times when it makes sense not to. Right now, if you were to have a big chunk of capital that you wanted to put, uh, say, into a CD, you know what the rate is there. Right. Now imagine instead you bought a wonderful little income property for cash. So no loan, no debt service, no risk of lender foreclosure, that's all gone. The only risks are going to be things like the risk of property uh, and the physicality of property, so fire, flood, theft, danger, all those things, uh, which can be mitigated around through insurance and other tools. Uh, you're going to have the risk of um, the property tax, because if you don't pay the property tax, well, they will take your property away eventually, so yeah. that's a risk. Uh, and then you have whatever the rental market's going to look like. But if you do your homework, and again, getting back to your point of being educated, there are markets where there is good, strong jobs, even though everything in the, in, that you read, uh, the, the job market's terrible. That's not true everywhere, just like it's not true that everywhere prices are going down. That's what's great about real estate. Again, you can exploit certain areas and certain sub-markets where they aren't tracking with the norm, and that makes it for a great opportunity. There's a market right now that has stellar job growth in the United States. Prices are appreciating. Properties are still affordable, and it looks like a home run compared to other markets right now. Now, you know what? It takes some research to find it, but if you're willing to put the work in, you can get returns that other people who aren't willing to put the work in won't get. Well, you know, everybody holds up Warren Buffett, the Oracle of uh, Omaha, this genius uh, investor, and certainly he is, but but at the end of the day, what he does is he tries to find things that other people are overlooking. He, he really focuses in on certain companies. He studies them hard, learns them well, and then he waits for an opportunity. And when he sees an imbalance, when everybody else isn't noticing a value, um, he goes after it. Well, I think that that's a lot harder to do because it's a lot easier for people to track. There's so many inefficiencies that are just inherent in real estate that make it much easier for the average person without a ton of sophisticated research uh, tools uh, to be able to look at a market and go, okay, this looks like a market that makes sense. I mean, back to your point about just going in, say, say I've got $150,000 sitting in a CD yielding 1%, 1.5%, Yeah, exactly. I say, okay, I've got it safe. It's protected by the FDIC, but I'm not getting any yield. I don't really have any upside potential. I could argue you're losing ground based on inflation. You absolutely could make that argument. You know, you look at how the, what gold has been doing, and if gold continues to do that, that's a reflection of a devalued dollar. And, okay, so my dollars, as I'm denominating my CD in dollars, I'm losing. Well, if I were to take that same You know, money, I think, let's stop there for a minute, because I think part of the reason people aren't feeling that is because what a lot of businesses had to have had to do in the light of this economy is put stuff on sale. It's a great time to be a buyer of anything. Hotels are on sale. Hamburgers on sale. The local convenience store has all kinds of stuff on sale. Dollar stores are proliferating like crazy. Yes, they are. So it doesn't seem maybe like you've lost and eroded your purchasing power, but it's gonna. You, there's going to be a day of reckoning that's going to catch up. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, but that's one of the advantages of a recession is the, the economy actually lowers prices to buffer the blow. Yeah. And, and that's the irony of creating a loose money environment, which is kind of what we kicked the show off talking about, because that's all designed to prop up prices and not allow the, the economy to kind of break the, the burden of the higher prices. But yeah. uh, but anyway, coming back to this today, I got $150,000. I go buy a single family house that's renting and maybe I've got a five to seven percent cap rate. 
So I'm getting a 5 to 7% cash flow, cash on cash on my investment. I'm getting some tax breaks, which basically makes that income close to tax-free. If I, you know, balance out the math, you got to meet with your tax advisor and find out how that fits your particular situation. And I do have the potential for some upside potential if prices do go up over time, and we're talking the long haul, then I should be able to recoup my acquisition costs, you know, my, my fees and whatever. And without loan fees, I probably didn't have a ton of uh, upfront fees. Uh, and then and then I have a chance to make both cash flow and, and equity growth. So I would look at that and say, okay, that, that's kind of like buying a very conservative blue chip uh, dividend portfolio. Yep. Right. So I'm going to have the potential for long term capital gains. I'm going to have a tangible uh, asset that I own free and clear, and I'm going to have income coming in on it. Even if it goes vacant, I don't have to worry about the bank taking my yield goes down. But at least I, I have the property. It isn't liquid. You're not going to be able to run out maybe and sell it in 30 days. It may take you, you know, maybe up to six months in a tough market to dump a property. But you compare that to some of the other options you have in a market like this, that looks pretty good right now. Yeah, it does. And also when you think that long-term hanging on to a property for the next 5, 10, 20 years that you own outright, what's your gut tell you about what the value of that real estate will be 20 years from now? More than today or less than today? Well, I mean, and that goes back to a different point because you say, well, what's going on in real estate right now? Because a lot of people are going, oh, well, there's, you know, downward pressure on real estate. Most of the things that are downward pressure on real estate are temporary in nature. So we're talking- Of course, because this is a cyclical investment and it always has been. I remember when things were rocking and rolling and it was 2005 and you couldn't go wrong in real estate. And our friend Walter Sanford would say, you guys, I know. you guys, it's coming. I've seen it. It's going to go down. It, you felt like it couldn't ever go down. And it did. And you know what it feels like right now? It feels like it'll never come back. Right. But I promise it will. Do you know why? Walter Sanford. It always does. <laughs> it never has not. Unless you think that real estate has now systematically gone up for 150 years and we just hit the peak and now it's going to continue to go down for the next 150 years, it'll be worth absolutely nothing. Well, I mean, the reality is, is that the very thing that makes gold or anything like that go up in value is an expanding currency supply, basically an inflationary environment. And our monetary policy targets growth. I mean, their target is three to four percent a year growth. And so that's always been reflected in real estate. But we had a bubble, if you will, in terms of uh, a, a, a much looser monetary policy and a lot of money flooded in there. Same thing happened with dot-com prior. Same thing's going on with bonds right now. So, but if you look at real estate, you've got a temporary situation. I got four things that I think are temporary. Number one, tight lending. Lending is tight. And so that right now, no, right now that you see low interest rates, of course, the, the pendulum swung, it's the knee jerk reaction. It's, but at some point they have flown to that safety. We've talked about, they can't stay there forever. Right. Uh, number two, bad credit. Yeah. People have bad credit. And so even though rates are low and, you know, allegedly there's money to be lent, it's for people who don't exist. <laughs> right. So here's the thing. You're in that business. You make your living, your return on lending to people that have an 800 FICO score or better. Guess what? There's only four of them left. And so you've got to do something else right. other than rely on what the model that worked when everybody had good credit. So the third thing I got is consumer uncertainty. There's still just a lot of uncertainty. You bet. 
And until that gets settled down and people are willing to uh, obligate themselves to a mortgage, you're not going to see uh, a lot of uh, demand on the consumer side. They're busy paying off debt and saving money or trying this to. This week, I looked at the chart of consumer confidence over the past six or seven years, and we're definitely still low, but we're off the bottom. It's come back up off the bottom. And so who knows? Yeah, this country has a great spirit. You can only keep them down for so long. And the fourth item is the foreclosures, the short sale absorption. You know, at some point, and they're metering it out, it's going to be drawn out like we've talked about, which is great if you're a buyer. Yep. Because you're going to have low prices for a while when you're in the acquisition phase. But all of those things really are, are temporary. You know, it might be two years, it might be three years, it might be four years. So it may seem like forever. But 10 years from now, 20 years from now, probably not. All right, when we come back, we're going to give you a chance to win something. That's right. Every week we pay real estate trivia, and that's coming up next right here on the Real Estate Guys radio program. Want to fix up houses and sell or rent them for a profit? Believe it or not, the hard part isn't fixing them up. It's finding a cheap fixer-upper with real upside potential. Banks are giving great deals, but only if you can buy in bulk. To find out how you can get plugged in, order the free report, Buying Value, Profiting from Distressed REO Properties. Send your email to wholesale at realestateguysradio.com. Many homes are available for as low as $20,000 or less. You couldn't build them for that. Get the report to learn more. Call our resource hotline at 888-510-6838, extension 105, or email wholesale at realestateguysradio.com. Hey, Russ, wake up. We've got a show to do. Huh? Oh, sorry. I was just having the most awesome dream. I found low-cost rental properties that cash flow in a strong job market with prices that didn't fall through the floor during this great recession. Wow, that is awesome. But, you know, you don't have to dream to find a market like that. We're going on a field trip there in just a few weeks. Really? Where are we going? To Dallas, Texas. It's a huge market with great infrastructure and lots of people. Prices are low and rents are strong. And with today's low interest rates, properties cash flow great. And did you know Dallas is projected in the top three of all job markets for 2010? Plus, Texas is the number one rated state for doing business. That's amazing. When is it? That's the best part. It's up to you. We have several dates scheduled, so you can go when it's convenient for your schedule. No matter which weekend you pick, there'll be tours of different submarkets and property types and meetings with local experts, including developers, agents, and property managers. That sounds great. Well, hurry up and register because space on field trips is always limited. Go to realestateguysradio.com and click on events or call 888-GUYS-RADIO for more information. That's realestateguysradio.com or 888-GUYS-RADIO. I'm Jordan Goodman, author of Master Your Debt, and you're listening to The Real Estate Guys. Hey, welcome back to the Real Estate Guys radio program. Thanks for tuning in. We appreciate your support. And if you know a friend who wants to learn about real estate, uh, send them our way, will you? Easiest thing you do, have them go to our website at realestateguysradio.com. They can sign up for our newsletter and uh, get uh, hooked up with the show in any way they want to hear it. On the radio, on the website, in their iTunes, whatever they want to do. We're, we're flexible. You we have are to be flexible. flexible today. You have to be. To fit into an iPod, it's amazing. If you've ever seen, like, uh, was it the Sandler movie, Zohan, where he ties people up in little bows? That's what, that's what I feel like when they stick me in the iPod. There you go. Uh, not a good visual. Right now, though, <laughs> it's time to play Real Estate Trivia, your chance to win a prize by knowing our Real Estate Trivia question. And after 14 years, we really have to dig deep for these trivia questions. But uh, we have, and that means you have a chance to win. And what's the prize, you ask? Well, an autographed copy of Equity Happens, Building Lifelong Wealth with Real Estate, your 
Guide to Real Estate Investing in All Times, despite the title. And you can win that book if you know today's uh, question. Now, there's two prizes. We have two, two copies of the book to give away, and that's because not everybody listens live on the radio. So the first prize goes to the first person with the right answer, like the traditional radio trivia question thing. But since a lot of you do listen on iTunes after the fact, you are also eligible to win. And what we do is take all the correct guesses for the week and then have a drawing for a second book. And uh, people win that way, too. So that's how it works. First of all, let's... Uh Let's discover last week's answer. Last week on the show, we asked, how many states are there in Germany? How many federal states are there in the country of Germany? And the answer, 16. All right, you can relax. You know the answer now. All right, but not for long because here's the new question. This has to do with states, a state in the United States. Which United State, which state in the U.S., has the highest literacy rate. Obviously, I don't hail from there. Which has the highest literacy rate in the nation? Of all the states in the U.S., this one is number one for literacy. What state is it? If you know or want to take a guess, do that via email. Send it to trivia at realestateguidesradio.com. Include your name and physical mailing address so we can send you a copy of this beautiful book autographed. That is trivia at realestateguidesradio.com. Our show today is on high yields in a low-rate world. How can you get better returns when the market isn't offering them? Well, there's lots of ways to do that. And before we're done, uh, we're going to have a case study on that uh, very topic uh, from a gentleman who, who is doing that. But uh, let's talk about some other ways that uh, you can get higher yields today when uh, interest rates are low. You know, uh, we still love this idea of going into these uh, joint ventures, these partnerships, you know, maybe somebody who's got good credit or or maybe you have good credit and you don't have capital, you want to leverage your credit and you get someone to make a down payment in the old equity share model and uh, and then and then your money gets put to work. So let's say you're the investor bringing the money and someone else is bringing the credit. So now you go get this deal and it's going to cash flow, whatever it is. You got to work the numbers on it, but your yield is probably going to be better, should be, or you don't want to do it than the, the one or 2% that you're going to be getting in the bank. And if you structure it right, you as the capital investor, you're not on the hook for the loan, right? Let the, let the other person who's getting a piece of the upside potential, you may take the cash flow and they may end up taking some of the equity growth. You're not on the hook for the loan. You got the cash flow. You've got your capital work. So there, you know, you got to find another party who's willing to do that. But if I'm a guy who's sitting there, I've got great credit and I've got no money and I want to play, I need your capital because no money down loans aren't out there anymore. Yeah, absolutely. Right? So I, I'm a guy that, you know, with good credit, I'm, I'm interested in your down payment. You're saying, hey, I don't mind putting my money to work, but I don't want to take a chance having a loan and then end up having to have my credit credit ruined to get out of a bad deal. I'm willing to risk my capital, but not my credit. Okay. You can partner up with a person like that. And again, you have to pencil the number. So whichever side of the deal you're on, you just go find someone else who has the opposite thing and needs what you have. Right. If you're the person that has cash and you have whatever credit blemishes might be there, and yet you can see there it is. There's that incredibly low interest rate loan I just wish I could get. Maybe you give up some of the return to someone who has the kind of credit necessary to do that in order for you to get the loan. So either side of that is a, is a way to play, and you're going to get more yield than if you didn't do any, any deal at all or if you let your money just sit there. Now, another interesting thing today is that there are great deals, and because there are great deals, there are entrepreneurs out trying to get these great deals many times, the ones that are positioned and have the right relationships and know the markets and are able to get into the deal flow don't have unlimited capital. And so often there's an ability there, whether it is as a lender or as an equity investor. Now, some of these investments, as we alluded to earlier, are not open to anybody. 
You've got to have uh, a certain level of financial ability and sophistication, but there are some awesome deals out there. What I've found personally as I'm looking around at opportunity is that there are great A players, people that have excellent resumes, been in the business a long time, have done uh, very well in real estate, who we probably couldn't even get into their deals before, and now they're having to open up the the channels a little bit because they don't have the amount of interest they had before. So that's that's a cool opportunity. The other thing is you've got people out there who are able to get these amazing properties but can't find the financing, so they're turning to private sources for financing. Yeah, I, well, I mean, you know, that I've been talking about that since forever. I mean, it just I I think right now what this financial crisis has created is a huge opportunity for private capital to step up and fill the gap that has been the void that's been left by the conventional lending world. You know, the mortgage banking industry got basically decimated and it's uh, all primarily government backed right now. And most of that is aimed at owner occupied single family. Uh, And so there is tremendous opportunity for private capital to come to the rescue. And so, you know, one of the things that that is, is tough because I think that one of the great opportunities right now is to be an aggregator of money. You know, a lot of people say the old, the old rule of thumb says, well, if you find a great deal, money will find you. Well, that's yeah. true, but you still got to go pitch your deal, right? You know, whereas... Yeah, it'll find you, but but not automatically. Not automatically, no. not automatically. And, and, and it, you know, I'll tell you right now, if you have money in a market like this, deals will chase you. Much I, I, To me, finding a deal is a lot easier to do than finding money. Yeah. It didn't used to be that way, and that's a major change. And so because of that, if you recognize what is really being valued in this market right now, and it's a tough thing, because, I mean, you talk, we talked off mic about this. We did a, a thing called OPM Boot Camp. We had people pay a ton of money to come. It was a killer event. And now, everybody- if, you're, if you're new to the real estate guys, understand this is not our model. We're not one of those boot camp groups that has the big, expensive boot camp where they just try to sell you the next boot camp. That is absolutely not our deal. In our entire history of working together, which is almost 10 years now we have done exactly one boot camp and it was awesome i mean i just it was it just went through the workbook again it's over a thousand pages mostly legal documents it's awesome but 82 people came to this thing it was three days long it cost thousands of dollars to come to and we had just amazing speakers and and uh, amazing content and uh what we we're just talking about is that we had what we call the opm challenge anyone who attended that boot camp was eligible to essentially win a hundred thousand dollars into their deal the two of us jeff lerman and i were going to each put up 50 grand to invest in some deal and we were going to have a, a contest we had a contest attorney and all this stuff and and basically 90 days after the event nobody entered nobody did it which so, was shocking to me i know but but that's just the reality it's heavy lifting this is getting back to the fact that if you want these kind of returns you're not just going to be able to click off a couple of buttons on some website you're going to have to get your hands dirty you're going to have to invest the time and uh, also invest in relationships to be able to find these kinds of deals but if you do that uh, it's extraordinary so is there opportunity as a private lender to get better yield well we talk about in theory we want you to meet a gentleman that has been doing exactly that and we're excited to have him on the show in fact we're so excited about uh, what he's doing we're going to get him back on the on the radio to do a whole show but uh, please welcome uh, a, a gentleman that uh, we've uh, known for a little while now here his name is ron black he's from the beautiful state of texas hey ron how are you Hey, Robert. Good to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Yes, indeed. Now, uh, we're talking about uh, on the show today how people can uh, find uh, opportunity for higher yield as investors, and this is exactly what 
you've done. You've found an opportunity, a niche, if you will, and you've figured out a way uh, to create a, a win-win for two sides of the party, and it, it ends up in, in higher yields. Can you explain the program? Sure, that's exactly right. Uh, we find a lot of opportunities with new construction real estate, which has been our niche in uh, many different ways for the past few years. But in our conversations with new construction, single-family home builders across the state of Texas, we found that uh, banks simply are not lending anymore, as you guys have talked about numerous times on your program, to investors or even to builders, even to very good builders who have performed and been very good clients for the banks for years. We're coming in and basically taking the place of the bank on low-dollar, uh, single-family, new construction homes, uh, placing uh, myself and private lenders on these properties and building them out. Uh, and then many times by the time they have the sheetrock on the homes, the homes are already sold, and we have a tremendous return in our pocket as a result. All new construction. And now this is a, this is relatively new in that, you know, two years ago, three years ago, five years ago, these builders could easily get bank financing. So they didn't have to go to a private investor. They just had a big old line of credit, and they were able to build the houses with that and then sell the houses off. But because of what's happened in the, in the banking world, the tightening of the marketplace, that these builders, even with the track record, aren't able to get the financing. So you figured out how to fill that void. Sure have. Um, it's uh, in today's market what we're finding with a lot of these builders are desperate for money, and uh, if they have a client who wants a home built and they don't have the disposable capital to work with, they have to go to private resources, and they're willing to pay more for it. It's either build or lose a client, and we uh, fill that niche. Uh, and many times it is for just a little more than we would put down as a down payment. Uh, for an investment property. As uh, we all know, banks have gone to 20, 25, and 30% down payment requirements for investors, non-owner-occupied non buyers, and we can add just a little additional cash to a typical down payment here in Texas and get, uh, believe it or not, somewhere in the neighborhood of 16 to 20% APR returns on our investment dollars. Now, it would seem crazy that uh, someone would be willing to pay that, but actually, when you think about the fact that what a builder's got to do today is turn their inventory, and interest rate isn't the end-all, be-all in the construction world, right? If I'm going to own a house and I want to have a loan for 30 years, then I'm going to be concerned about a quarter-point interest rate. That's going to make a difference to me. But if I'm a builder, whether I pay 11 or 8 or 16, at the end of the day, I I'm moving through the construction process pretty quickly. It doesn't amount to that much more money, and yet to the investor, it's a very handsome yield. How true. And in the price ranges where we're building in Texas, which are typically in the low 100s to the high 100 sale price, uh, the construction cost is somewhere 30% to 35% less than that. In some cases, 40% less than that is our only exposure. And a lot of these homes are already sold, or they sell very quickly in these lower price ranges because we're exposed to more buyers in their affordability range uh, of their income. All right, Ron, stay with us, and uh, we'll be back to talk more with Ron Black and what he's done to turn a, high, a uh, opportunity into high yields for investors. You're tuned to the Real Estate Guys Radio Network. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Are you upside down in your home or investment property? Would you like to refinance but can't? Are you tired of dipping into your savings or credit cards just to make the mortgage payments? If you read the newspapers, you know you're not alone. But is the government going to save you? Don't count on it. 
If you want to take charge of your own personal bailout program, then you need to find out which loan workout options are available to you. To help you, the Real Estate Guys have written an 18-page report, What You Must Know Before Attempting a Loan Workout. Best of all, you can have it for free. How's that for economic stimulus? To get yours, simply email your request to workout at realestateguysradio.com. That's workout at realestateguysradio.com. Hope is not a strategy. If you need help with problem mortgages, read What You Must Know Before Attempting a Loan Workout. Knowledge is power. Send your request to workout at realestateguysradio.com. Hi, this is Bob Helms. They call me the godfather of real estate, mostly because I've been investing longer than the average Joe, since 1957 to be exact. Back when I started out, investing was pretty simple. Even so, I made more than my fair share of mistakes. And I can't imagine getting into this game today without some help. That's why I'm inviting you to check out the Real Estate Guys Investor Mentoring Club. There are three locations to choose from, Silicon Valley, Los Angeles, and Dallas, Texas. To find out when and where, just send an email to guys at realestateguysradio.com or use the feedback page on the website at realestateguysradio.com. Tell them the Godfather sent you. Hi, I'm Robert Kiyosaki, and I encourage you to listen to those wild and crazy real estate guys. They're the best, been working for years, and they know what they're talking about. Ah, stop, Robert. Hey, welcome back to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms, and we've got Ron Black with us uh, for just a, a couple of minutes, but we're going to have him back on the show because we'd like to uh, explore this uh, topic in uh, in greater detail. But uh, the short of it is uh, he's found an opportunity uh, with builders who need financing and with private investors to bridge that financing and create good returns. And, Ron, one of the things I want to talk about is the risk side of it. We started the show talking about if you don't want any risk, then you're not going to get much reward. In this case, investors go, wow, I could make 16 to 20% annualized. What's the risk? So what are the risks if you're financing construction of a new house in Texas in this economy? Well, certainly uh, for this type of investment, there are some risks. Uh, they're probably very similar to the uh, risk that you would have if you were holding a single-family home. Although we protect ourselves by not giving all the builder the money it wants to build a home. We have a mechanism in place where the money is uh, dispersed in various draws as the builder builds and proves out the project through various inspections. Uh, he gets portions of our funds um, that are held in escrow dispersed to him. Uh, we also uh, close all these to a title company, much like you would close a traditional real estate transaction. And we're also protected with a title insurance policy as well. And we only invest in 99% uh, of the cases in uh, first lien position uh, deed of trust. So we would be, be in first position on the deed. So we try to limit our risk. Uh, obviously, the question that people ask, what if the builder you know, goes bankrupt or something happens? That hasn't happened so far, but if it does, then we've only loaned the money that it's taken to build the house to that point, and we would have the balance of the funds to finish out the property and then sell it, and in many cases, make more money uh, by selling the home than we would if we completed the traditional loan cycle. Well, sure. I was just uh, kind of doing the math in my head going, well, wait a minute. If you're taking it over, you're essentially taking over the builder's position, meaning at cost of those materials and labor, and now you come in and you've got the, the you've got first lien position on the land and you finish that out, there's going to be, pro the, the builder's profit is sitting there. Uh, that's correct, and that's not something that he's willing to give up. Uh, in today's market, certainly their profit margins have slimmed somewhat, 
But a typical profit margin for a builder would be 15 to 20%, and they're not willing to walk away from that easily. But I would also think that there's more to it than just the money. There's the reputation. You start getting the reputation of, uh, as a builder that you can't complete your projects. That's, a, that's the kiss of death. Well, it is, and another protection mechanism that uh, that we use is the price range that we're loaning in. Uh, we're loaning only in the affordable price ranges. We're not building and loaning on 300,000 to 400,000 custom homes, which is a huge home in Texas. Uh, we're only loaning on homes that are in the low 100s to the uh, high 100s so that in the event of a worst-case scenario, we're able to complete the home and dispose of it very uh, readily to a very large pool of potential buyers. All right. Well, I, I definitely want to talk more about this. We want to get you back on the show when we come to Texas, and that way we can uh, really explore the ins and outs. We just thought that this uh, was really a, a case study for what we're talking about on today's show. We sure appreciate your time today, Ron. My pleasure. Looking forward to it. All right. Thanks, Ron. That's Ron Black, and he has actually written a report uh, about this, a high yields uh, report. If you would like a copy of that, just send an email to us, High Yield at realestateguysradio.com, high yield at realestateguysradio.com. And in the report, uh, Ron goes through uh, so actually more detail than we just uh, talked about. But uh, we, uh, as you know, we're going to Texas a few times in the coming months, and we're going to find an opportunity while we're there to sit down with Ron and uh, take a look at some of his properties and, and uh, really get to know this program a little bit better. But I just thought it was a great case that he's done exactly what uh, we're talking about on the show today. Yeah, definitely check out the report. Um, so you can also get it on the website by going to the resources tab and just tracking down to where it says special report and you'll see it listed there uh, with the beginning of the title, High Yield. So just look for that high yield. Always looking for high yields. High yield cash flow with private construction lending. There it is, and it's a uh, free report. No salesman will call. Yeah. All right, so uh, that's a, a great idea. I think the, the recurring theme here, and uh, you know, it was great that Ron had the answers for those questions. We didn't talk ahead of time. In fact, I hadn't met him before, really. I know you've met yep. Ron, and I, I just you know had a concept of what he was doing, but those are the right answers. See, he understands what the risk is and has set the program up so there's less risk. That's what you have to do as an investor. You have to say, all right, so I'm looking at this prospectus and it says I'm going to make 15% annualized return. That's a high return. What are the risks? What's the downside and what protections are in place? Well, you know, what just amazes me is how many people will go buy a stock or a mutual fund because of an ad or a tip from a neighbor or some little piece of alleged inside information because somebody works for the company, blah, blah, blah. And they, they have no idea Really, they're so far removed from the dynamics of what's really going to make that stock move, and they'll happily put their money in, and I just don't get that. Whereas in, in a situation like this, you're talking about being really in first position against a piece of real property with a, with a business person on the other side who's got intense motivation to complete the project successfully. And with price points like this, somebody, you know, with a half a million dollars in cash that's trying to find yield somewhere, really, you could take, if you say, say you had half a million dollars in cash, you could take a hundred grand. If I say it, will it be true? <laughs> that would be nice. Uh, but you could take a hundred grand or 20% of your money and put it in something like this. And that 20% would actually out yield the other 80% of your money. And so you don't even have to take, you know, the full risk. And to me, I mean, you're so close to where the money is getting made and it's understandable. And there are so many protections in place. So again, not to sound like a total shill, right? Because what do we care? He's, you know, we just think it's a great, we just think it's a great idea. We well, here's the thing. It's just a, it's a case study example of mitigating the risk. To me, this is an opportunity for you to lend to someone that 
certainly was and probably still is creditworthy, but because of this tremendous shakedown that's happened, lenders have just drawn their horns in and they're saying, wait a minute, we have a lot of exposure to this builder. We're not going to be able to do that, right? We know a builder who uh, is building brand new houses who for 20 plus years has gotten loans from the same bank a great relationship with the bank, a great relationship with the principals of the bank, a great relationship with the officers of the bank. They've done millions and millions and millions of dollars. And last year, uh, the bank said, well, we can't loan you money anymore, but we still want to be your friend. How many people with home equity lines of credit that made their payments perfectly on time, that had great jobs, great incomes, just woke up one day and got the letter and said your home equity line of credit is gone? You know, how many people with credit lines in their business, you know, small business, you know, having their, I won't mention the name of the company, but they're famous for telling you that they're going to be there for you and help smooth out your cash flow. And then one day you wake up and they decide that they just want to trim the risk in their portfolio and they don't like the smell of you for whatever reason. And boom, your credit line is gone. And that has a huge impact on a small business's cash flow. So everywhere in this economy, everywhere, the rules are being rewritten. Everything is different. And you can look at it and go, oh my gosh, I'm just going to you know, sit in the corner and suck my thumb and wait until everything settles down. Yeah, or, that's one way. Or you can get out there and say, gosh, with all of this uh, uncertainty, all of this change, all of this chaos, there's, there's, there's opportunity all over the place, but I got to dig around a little bit. And so what we're trying to do is bring you some of these ideas and encourage you to get there and look, because there's guys like Ron Black out there. They're all over the country. There's guys out there right now that, are, are, that have found a way to put capital to work to solve a problem in the marketplace and produce both yields and safety, relative. There's no guarantees in anything. Well, and let's just look a little deeper at what he's done. It's loaning to someone who has been creditworthy for years and maybe isn't. You could do the same thing with someone that had a 750 FICO score for 20 years and then bought a house at the wrong time. It went way up in value. It got, uh, you know, they shut their home equity line of credit and they end up with a foreclosure or something. Now their credit's shot. But it's the same person, and it's one isolated event. They probably still have the same morals and ethics. They probably still have the same income. They, right? So there's a lot of good people out there who can't get loans today. Guess what? You can fill the gap there. So there's plenty of places that you can get those higher returns. But I think the thing is, is first getting in touch with where you think you would like to play. And then secondly, what is your risk paradigm? And we've talked about that on the show as well. You've got to come up with what seems like it's a, a good mitigated risk to you. If it seems too risky... Don't do it, right? Opportunities are like buses, and other one's always going to come along. However, you can't just sit at the bus stop all day and let them go by. you got to figure out in today's marketplace with these great opportunities, how do you get into the deal flow? How do you make it work? And that's what you need to do as a real estate investor. All right, well, that is our show, High Yields in a Low-Rate World. Again, if you'd like to get the report uh, from Ron, you can send an email to highyield at realestateguysradio.com. Next week on the show, we have a great guest for you. If you've ever uh, met a, a great real estate broker and they've got all these alphabet stuff after their name my goodness does she have a lot of it she is just an incredible woman and she is the chief executive officer of the largest association of realtors in america you'll meet her next week on the real estate guys radio show hey thanks to uh, our sponsors for making this show possible thanks to you our listener big thanks to uh, ron for uh, popping in on the show and uh, super big thanks to our returning engineer chathan we've missed him he's back and uh, we're happy to have him we're happy to have you on our show next week until then make some equity happen 
Are you ready to profit in paradise? Hi, it's Robert Helms. And if you think real estate investing means tenants, toilets, and termites, think again. Located just a short plane ride from the U.S., a virtually untouched paradise awaits. The beautiful country of Belize. When you go to Belize with the Real Estate Guys, you'll spend four fabulous days discovering one of the most intriguing real estate markets I've ever seen. With its jungle rainforests, pristine beaches, and 81-degree turquoise water, Belize is one of the most beautiful places on Earth. Plus, it's considered one of the top seven tax havens in the world. And why U.S. real estate continues to drop, Belize property is on the rise, and many experts think the best is yet to come. But don't just take my word for it. Come experience Belize firsthand at our upcoming investor field trip. When you join us, you'll discover the many reasons we love Belize, like tremendously undervalued beachfront land, super low taxes, ease of doing business, and so much more. Get the details at realestateguysradio.com. Just click on events. See paradise for yourself. Click events at realestateguysradio.com, and I'll see you in beautiful Belize.